We're planning on spending the evening with Steve and Joyce, our youngest son. But I will say this, that uh, it feels like Christmas was a week ago. Uh, <clears throat> because when you have your Christmas, and, and uh, of course last night, uh, Charlie and his two children, uh, they opened their gifts down at our house, and we kind of got back into the Christmas feeling, you know. This next weekend, uh, Sister Rutherford and I will fly out to Texas to be with uh, our mom. I will not be here watch night service, and I regret this. This will be the first watch night service I have missed in the 22 years that uh, we have had watch night services. But uh, please forgive me of this. My mom has had cancer. More recently, she's had a stroke, and we just feel that we need to go down and be with her. So we're going down for a few days. like to call your attention to Matthew 1. And I'll not have you to stand at the reading of the Scripture. And the reason why is because I just want to talk through this Scripture. And this has to do with the birth of Jesus Christ. And let's entitle this message. Let's talk about Jesus. Because, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. <clears throat> And for some reason, with all of the ball games that are being played this time of the year, you hear more talk, you know, about football players and basketball players and baseball strikes and, and than you do about Jesus. <clears throat> and I'm amazed at how many, especially younger people, are making uh, idols out of... Uh, athletes and you know whoever you make an idol out of usually that person does your thinking and your talking for you you know that because they, they seem to represent you but I want you to know here's one preacher that does not allow uh, Michael Jordan Shaquille O'Neal or Magic Johnson or a Troy Aikman Steve Young or a Madonna to represent him. <clears throat> Praise God. <clears throat> Praise God. My idol is Jesus. <clears throat> that ought to be yours. Praise God. He is our God. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. Now from Matthew 1 verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. In other words, they had never consummated marriage. They were just espoused, or they were engaged. All right. Now, engagement uh, used to mean a lot more than it does today. Today, it's the exchange of a ring or the giving of a ring, usually not the exchange of a ring. I don't know that I've seen a man with an engagement ring on it. But uh, <clears throat> you give a ring, and uh, that seems to make it official. But being that marriage is not official anymore, neither are engagements. <laughs> and I might say that in most cases, I think engagements are more official than marriages. Because more people back out of marriages, it seems like nowadays, than engagements. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. 
In other words, this man found out that the woman that he was to marry was with child. Now, as you well know, in the Old Testament, adultery or fornication was punishable by the death penalty. Basically, if a man was married to uh, a woman and she was caught in the act of adultery, or if, if, if for some reason she confessed this, the man did not want to continue his relationship with this woman, uh, she was taken out and stoned. Now, in the, in the case where they were engaged... And somehow the word was around, or had, had, had gone around, the grapevine, so to speak, that, that she was not a virgin because that she had broken this engagement. If I understand the scripture correctly, she was to be taken to the high priest, and there she was to be examined. Now, you have to understand one thing about the high priest of the Old Testament, that these men were more than just spiritual leaders. They were also civil leaders. And they also served as the physician, so to speak. You, you remember the story about Jesus healing the lepers? What did he say? Go and show thyself to the priest. In other words, the priest was to declare as whether they were medically fit to be integrated back into society. And so the virgin was to be examined by the high priest. In other words, he actually became a gynecologist in this case to examine as to whether this girl was really a virgin. Now, there's something very, very strange about this. That is, if there is no virgin birth. And, and let me tell you something. There are many of the valid doctrines of the Scripture that are being attacked, and a lot of them are religious leaders. They're, religious leaders are telling us today there's no hell. Oh, there's a heaven, you know. But there's no hell. Religious leaders are telling us today that the blood is not important. This is the reason why that good news for modern man, which is not good news at all, that's a, a translation or more of a commentary, does not contain the word blood as blood relates to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then... Some translations have refused to use the word virgin, and they just put a young woman. Now, if a young woman had not been loyal to her husband, in this case, she w he was considered a husband, they were only engaged, but, but they considered that to be a very valid uh, vow that they took when engagement uh, took place. Uh, in this case, if she had had not been loyal to Joseph, the first thing that would I could see was that when when she was found to be pregnant was, wow, she's going to be embarrassed. The worst thing that that could happen to her is for somebody to to go to the high priest and tell the high priest that Mary was with child. But the amazing thing about this is when the angel of the Lord spoke to her and spoke to Joseph. The first thing that Mary did was she went to the high priest, Zacharias, and his wife, 
Elizabeth, and guess what she did? She told him. In other words, she had no fear. She was not embarrassed at all. Which obviously means that, <laughs> I mean, if he had so desired, she would have passed the medical, medical examination as really being a virgin. There was just no fear at all. I'd just go straight and talk to Zacharias and Elizabeth. And that's exactly what she did. Now, the Bible says in verse 20, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thy son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And of course, Holy Ghost is mentioned here. We believe in the oneness of God. Praise the Lord. Because it's not contradictory. The Trinitarian concept is contradictory. But Jesus was the Son of God. He was also the Son of the Holy Ghost. Well, they're, they're the same. But if they're not the same, you have a contradiction, see. And she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Let's talk about Jesus. Now, if I'm understanding the Scripture correctly, and Brother Rutherford knows a lot about Greek and Hebrew, and maybe some of you, I don't claim to know a lot about the Greek, and I don't claim to know a lot about the Hebrew. In fact, when I get a Greek book and when I get a Hebrew book, sometimes I don't even know what I, I'm doing. So I must rely primarily upon what others said. But Brother, Brother Urshan made an interesting statement when he was preaching in our, our camp. I also heard him make this statement in another camp. And he was making reference to Isaiah 12, verse 2. If you'll turn there, we'll just take a look at this. <clears throat> Isaiah 12, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. And then in verse 3, Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now let's turn back to Psalm 118, verse 14. Psalm 118, verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Now Brother Urshan made an interesting statement. He said, I, I was in New York several years ago, in fact, it's been many years ago, and he went into a Jewish synagogue and he saw this inscribed in a stone. And so when he talked talked to the rabbi, he asked the rabbi about this. The Lord is my strength and song, and it's become my salvation. Of course, uh, Brother Urshan had talked with the, the rabbi before. And he said, I want you to give me the English translation of salvation that's found here. And the rabbi said, well, I know what you're aiming at. And uh, he said, well, just, just what does it mean? Now, all of you have a last name. And uh, most likely your last name means something. Uh, I, I don't know what... Uh, uh, manly means, but I know it's an English name that probably has something to do with manhood. I don't know. 
Brother Manley doesn't know. And, and Brother Rutherford, I don't know what uh, Rutherford is. That, that sounds like an English name also. Uh, I'm not for sure what it means. Now, I will tell you what Grant means. The word Grant actually means great one. I thought I'd tell you that. <laughs> but it has to be translated from some other word. And Jesus that's translated here actually comes from it's in the Greek form of a Hebrew word that Joshua comes from. Yeshua of the Old Testament. And the word salvation that's found here in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 12.2 and Psalm 118.14 comes from a Hebrew word. Both are derivatives from another word. And it literally means salvation. Now, the thing about it is, when, when we look at Jehovah of the Old Testament, this is also true of that word. Now, the, 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 the rabbi said, I know what you're wanting me to say. He said, could you actually translate that? If you wanted to take the word salvation and make a personal name out of it, what name would you put up there? He said, well, <clears throat> the Lord is my strength and song and is become my Jesus. That would be a literal English translation. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about Jesus. And shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord of the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. Now Jesus is our salvation. Now, please understand, now nothing that you do is salvation. It is God. I think that is very, very important. Because there are many, many ideas floating around in Christian ranks today that would lead you to believe otherwise. And you've heard me tell this story. I've told this story so many times. I remember uh, a, a minister wanted to debate with me. I did not want to debate with him. And he was telling us because we baptized in Jesus' name and we, we believed in repentance and, and, and we believed in speaking with tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance that, that, that this was just a, uh, an act of works on our part. So after several encounters over the telephone, I finally agreed to debate with the man. And when we met, we had a whole house full of people. We met in a house. We were to debate from 7 o'clock until 12 o'clock at night, five hours. And so the first thing we did, we laid down the rules of the debate. Now, someone from the congregation could ask the questions and then they could ask the pastor, who happened to be Pastor Jackson. Then they'd ask Pastor Grant. And, of course, he had, he had uh, the right to refute what I was saying. 
And then, of course, I had the right to refute what he was saying. So what happened was they asked him, Pastor Jackson, what is salvation? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they asked me, what is salvation, Pastor Grant? I said, well, actually the question is asked incorrectly. It's not what, it's who. Salvation is Jesus. Now, I had the first rebuttal, and so this is what I said. The reason why that Pastor Jackson is incorrect is because he said salvation is what? Believe. That's not what salvation is. Now, I believe that it is important for you to believe, but it's not your belief that constitutes your salvation. It is Jesus himself. Now, for you to do something does not say that salvation comes by works. Well, this just disarmed this man. He, this, this man uh, it is, was, and I, I suppose still is, a, a Baptist minister. And, of course, this is a doctrine that they've taught for years. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. But notice what the Scripture says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou, what? Shall be saved. It does not say believing is salvation. You must believe, but your belief is not your salvation. Jesus is your salvation. Because nothing that you do can take away your sins. Nothing you do. Now, there is a plan in the Bible for you to be saved. And that plan involves you and it involves some doing on your part. But you have to understand that you cannot separate faith from works. James explained this. In other words, if you believe something, you will do something. But it's not what you do that saves you. That's not it at all. The plan, I suppose, we just should start in John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now, I think that if, if you carefully analyze this Scripture, you go back to the Greek. In the beginning was the Logos. The Logos was with God and the Logos was God. The word logos here is talking about a concept, an idea, or a plan. To put it in everyday language, I suppose you could say it's like, like the blueprint of our, our building that we're putting together now and hopefully we'll have uh, to present to the congregation for our January business meeting. It'll be a preliminary one, but nevertheless, it, it is a, it's a sketch of what we want the new addition to look like. We did this one time before, but but we realized that we, we have too much too many square feet in this building for us to build in, in the near future, and we want to get something up if we can. But before the plan becomes an actual structure, there must be that concept. It, it's first a concept in the mind that, that later on becomes a blueprint. And I like to think of it like this, that 
first this was in the mind of God in the beginning that later on became the blueprint that later on became the man. And the man was who? He was God with us, for the Scripture says, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now I made this statement behind this pulpit. And someone called my attention to this outside of church. In fact, it was several months later. said, you made the statement that Jesus was God with us. I said, well, I really didn't make the statement like that. I remember when I made this statement, I remember the startled look on his face. I said, I quoted a scripture. He acted like he'd never heard it. I said, well, you've seen on Christmas cards, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Well, he just seemed to be startled, you know, so how could a man be God? See, they picked up stones to kill him because he being a man, making himself God, it really wasn't that way. It was he being God became man. Man, man does not have the ability to become God. But God had the ability to robe himself in human flesh and come into the world and view man through the eyes of a man. Exodus 15, 2. This is another scripture that uh, speaks of the same thing of Isaiah 12, 2 and Psalm 18, 18, 14. Exodus 15, 2. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God. I will exalt him. I will exalt him. And so Jesus Christ was God with us. Now, the Jews understood this, and most all the people of his day understood this, because Jesus Christ forgave a man's sins. That You remember the story how they, they had torn away the roof and lowered the man down? And Jesus looked at him and said, Sir, thy sins be forgiven thee. And I'm telling you, the people became very irate. They said, Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus simply replied by saying, Which is easier for me to say, Thy sins be forgiven, or take up thy bed and walk. He forgave the man's sins, and the man took up his bed and walked. Now, did man need a plan to be saved? And if so, why? Because he was a sinner. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And of course, Ezekiel 18.4, the Bible says, The soul that sinneth shall surely die. So man is born in this world in sin. He later becomes a transgressor or a violator of the laws of sin. He needs a Savior. And he cannot save himself. You can't save yourself any more than I can pick myself up by my bootstraps. I can't do that. Neither can you save yourself. But Jesus came to take our sins away. Looking in the book of John, the first chapter, the scripture tells us, John, verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh 
away the sin of the world. That Jesus Christ had the ability to take sins away. Now, in Luke 24, we find the Great Commission listed. And I just want to read this. If you'll turn to Luke 24, I think it's a very good account of the Great Commission. Luke 24, verse 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So the Bible says that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So what we need to do then is just simply go to Jerusalem. And that's in Acts, the second chapter. That's what he is making reference to. So we go to Acts, the second chapter, and here we find that the Holy Ghost was poured out upon those people seeking for the Holy Ghost in the upper room. The Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place and one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them clothed in tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Aren't you glad that you have a Bible experience? Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. That the same promise that was given to those disciples that heard this last command of the Lord is still a promise to you today. Praise God that we can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. How many Holy Ghost-filled people do we have here? Praise God. Aren't you glad that He's filled you with His Spirit? And then, of course, Peter stands up and he prophesies, or he preaches, rather, concerning the prophecy of Joel. The Bible tells us that that he says, This is what Joel prophesied in the last days. I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Upon my servants and my handmaidens will I also pour out of my Spirit, saith the Lord. And so God said He would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Not 50%, not 75%, not 85%, not 95%, but 100%. Everybody that wants the Holy Ghost and will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ can receive the Holy Ghost. You can receive the Holy Ghost today. Now, when Peter began to preach concerning Jesus Christ and His rightful place in the Godhead, the Bible tells us that these people that heard Him preach, they were pricked in their hearts, and they said unto Peter, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 37 of Acts 2. Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name beginning at Jerusalem. And this is what, it, this what, took, this is what took place at Jerusalem. Now we have the commandment, 
And we have the following through of the commandment. And I would be real stupid to stand behind this pulpit and to tell you that after reading the commandment and after reading the fulfillment of the commandment, that I should offer some other plan to you than that which is offered in the Scripture. Now, you must first believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You must put your faith or your confidence in Him. But if you do that, then what are you going to do? You're going to obey what He told you to do. You repent of your sins. Jesus said, I say unto thee, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And so we repent of our sins. After that, then we associate ourselves with His burial. This is the place in which our sins are washed away. Acts twenty-two sixteen. Let's turn there. The Apostle Paul has given an account concerning his conversion. Ananias instructs Paul, And now what tarest thou rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Praise God. One translation says, Calling the name of the Lord in baptism. And that's exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul. And that's exactly what happened to you. Now, I do not believe that there is, there's enough water in the whole world to wash sins away. And you may say, well, don't you baptize in water? Yes, we do baptize in water. Now, I want to turn to 1 John 5, verse 7. And, and of course, there are people that, that argue that uh, about the validity of this scripture. But uh, I just want to read it. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now, I know that the Trinitarian concept, uh, and I know it quite well, they will say, well, it takes the Father, it takes the Holy Ghost, and it takes the Word which was Jesus, made flesh, to make up God. But now you have to understand this. You either have three gods in heaven, that is, if the Trinitarian concept is correct, you either have three gods in heaven, or you have three one-thirds of God in heaven. All right? I'd like to talk about that a little longer. But I want to talk about verse 8. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. Now, I personally think that when we take a person and put them in the tank or in a stream or in a lake or wherever there's enough water to immerse them, that when you say, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you immerse them in water and you call on the name of the Lord. But when you call His name, you identify the blood that takes away sins. But the Bible says the blood is applied by the Spirit. So there's a correlation, an agreement. In other words, there's no physical blood from Calvary that was poured out on the ground 2,000 years ago that's placed in your heart it is applied by the Spirit in your heart. 
This is the reason why the Colossians 2, verse 9 through 14, tells us that our trespasses were blotted out because of the work of Calvary. But Jesus Christ has taken it all away. Acts 4 and 12 tells us, and let's turn there, and I want to read this, and I'd like for you to stand with me as we read Acts 4, verse 12. And this is a scripture that we have on our wall. I don't know that you can see it. Maybe from the, the side you can. I'm not for sure which side it's on. I can't see from here. It's on this side over here. Acts 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Praise God that Jesus Christ came into the world and the name of God Himself was revealed through Jesus Christ. There's just something about that name. Now, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I am particularly happy that we started out this service talking about Jesus and we're going to end the service talking about Jesus. Let's sing this beautiful chorus. There's something about that name. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master. Close your eyes and lift your hands as you exalt His precious name. Yes, we celebrate His birth today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain, oh Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. 
proclaim Kings and kingdoms Shall all pass away But there's something About that name Oh hallelujah, hallelujah Blessed be the name of the Lord There's something about that name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Change it to Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Praise God. After the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, Thomas did not believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. He said, I will not believe it unless I see the scars in his hand and the hole in his side. Jesus appeared unto him, and Jesus talk with him Jesus said unto him Thomas thou hast seen me thou hast believed but when Thomas believed you know what he did the Bible tells us that he dropped to the ground and Thomas answered and said unto him my Lord and my God oh hallelujah Jesus is the sweetest name I know Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And He's just the same as His lovely name. That's the reason why I love him so for Jesus is the sweetest name I know let's sing it again Jesus is the sweetest name I know And he's just the same as his lovely name. That's the reason why I love him so. For Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And you know, He's coming back real soon for us. He certainly is. Listen to the promise in the Scripture, Revelation 1-7. Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. And they also which pierced Him, and all the kindreds of the earth, shall wail because of Him. Even so, Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. He's coming back. Let's sing soon and very soon. We're going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon we are going